Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, Foundations Church. Good to see you today. Pastor Justin texted me at like 3 a.m. and be like, oh man, I forgot to set my clock back. And so um, he's just slept in is all. No, he's, he's uh, taking the week off, getting some much needed rest. He's, uh, we've been a little bit busy getting in this building, but we are excited to be here. My name is Michael Ballard. I'm the executive director at Foundations Church. I've had the honor of being on staff throughout the past seven years. So if you're fairly new, you're wondering who is this guy, that's who this guy is. And I am uh, honored that you're worshiping with us this morning. Real quick, one quick announcement. Uh, one quick announcement. On March 27th, we are doing our grand opening. Yes, you may, uh, you may be wondering, you guys have been in the building for three weeks. What do you mean your grand opening? You don't stop playing games. You know, and I know, that we didn't have stripes in the parking lot the first Sunday, okay? So calm down, okay? We have some things that we're having to, to fin- finalize and finish up. And so on March 27th, we are going to have our grand opening. It is an awesome chance for you to invite your friends and family most importantly, so they can hear a message about Jesus. We're going to be doing some stuff in between service while we'll some food trucks and some different games and things like that. So maybe those people who are a little hesitant to come to church can, uh, you know, they, they have, they're like, okay, we can bring, bring our kids and, and do some stuff. But ultimately, we want them to hear about Jesus. But we're going to have a fantastic Sunday on March 27th. So go ahead and start inviting people to that. I mean, you can invite them next week. Next week's going to be fantastic as well. But that's what we got going on in a couple of weeks. And then if you're new here, you heard the announcements about our FC student ministry. Wednesday nights, doors open at 6, service starts at 6.30. If your kids are not a part and not plugged into our FC student ministry, get them here on Wednesday nights. It is awesome, uh, awesome times indeed. Hey, last week, we started a new series called Going Through Chaos, talking about how do we handle what life throws at us, how do we deal with what comes our way, and I think I can safely say that for everyone in this room, we have a common denominator when it comes to chaos, and it has been this whole global pandemic, COVID-19 thing that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years. And now, and don't lie, I need you guys to be honest, okay? I may have, in March of 2020, been one of those ones that was going to Reese's at 6 a.m. and shoving little old ladies out of the way to get a pound of hamburger meat and some toilet paper. Did anyone else do that? Don't lie, I know that's, we, ha- we were out of toilet paper. I know all of you guys were doing that, right? And we're finally coming out, that was chaotic. We didn't know what was going on. We are, got questions, what's, I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know. And now we're kind of coming out and World War III's like, hey guys, like I'm over here, right? And, and this is on top of, this is on top of our everyday normal chaos that we have to deal with. Man, how am I gonna pay my mortgage? Is my, my relationships are a mess. And so this month we've been talking about how do we deal with chaos, because the, the sad reality and, and the sad truth is this, is that eight, each and every one of us are going to deal with chaos. We're gonna deal with hurt and heartache and loss and trouble. Jesus tells us that, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. We see through the New Testament that the apostles' lives and the, and the life of a Christian is gonna be marked by suffering. And it, and it, and it hurts and, it, and no one wants to hear it and, we can try to avoid it when someone asks us, how are you doing? You can reply with the best reply. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head, not the tail, Lord, whatever. Like you can do all that. And then inwardly, 
your heart is kind of matching your surroundings. It's chaos, it's a mess, it's frazzled. You're, you're, you're stressed about how the test results are gonna come back. You're, you're worried about how you're going to pay your mortgage, right? You're, you're, you're just stressed and you're, you're, your life's chaos. And so how do we, as followers of Christ, manage the chaos that's gonna come our way? How do we handle that? How do we deal with that? And today we're talking about having peace in the midst of chaos. Having peace in the midst of chaos. Doesn't that sound nice, right? How many of you guys want to have peace in your life, right? I, yes, that sounds fantastic. How many of you guys know that's a lot, a lot uh, easier said than done, though? Yeah. Man, if I wanted just some, hey, what can I do to have peace? I could do what a lot of us do. Let's Google it, right? Let's Google how do I have peace. In fact, I did it. Go ahead and I put it up so you guys can see. How do you have peace? Think positive. Practice meditation. Hey, let things go, right? Let it go. Let it go. Focus on the present. Accept what you can't change. Read at least 20 minutes a day. Read what? Just whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want to read. Spend some time alone. Relax your expectations. Man, let's pray. Let's raise hands for salvation. Let's go. That's, there's the steps. That's how you achieve peace in this world, right? Google says the first thing. There's an article from Oprah Daily on the bottom. Like, she's one of the wealthiest women in the world. She's got a book club. Surely she knows how to achieve peace, right? Here's, here's what I could have done. I could have looked at those eight easy steps to achieve peace and found some scriptures and put them, put them up there and be like, man, yeah, that, that's how you do it. And a lot of us do that. That's nothing than a new age remedy with a Jesus flavor in it, right? And a lot of us use that as a foundation for some poor theology about having peace in our life. Can I tell you that peace on this earth is not attainable? Peace on this earth is not attainable. On September 30th, 1939, Neville Chamberlain had a meeting with Adolf Hitler. Anyone ever heard of Hitler? Anyone? Okay, yeah, so we're all on the same page. And after what he thought was a successful meeting, he opened up his window and yelled out of the balcony, it's peace for our time. Here's the, the front page. It's peace for our time. Less than a year later, German began, Germany began their assaults in Eastern Europe. It wasn't peace for their time. The peace that he had thought he had was temporary. And peace found through some of those practices that we read earlier is temporary. It's not lasting. And so if we're talking about how do we, as followers of Christ, and I'm going to keep saying we followers of Christ because that is a key component here. How do we, as followers of Christ, find peace? And, and, and true peace can only be found in God. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 8. If not, you can download our FC app and keep up with all the latest events and activities. Right? Uh, just a, just a plug, you know, for our FC app. It's all good. Um, it's also going to be on the screens if you want to read along. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and, what's it say? Peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I'm going to have you guys answer some questions just by raising your hand. Let me ask you a couple of questions. If you would agree with this, raise your hand. Say, I am loved by God. Anyone raise your hand? Say, I am loved by God. Cool. I am a child of God. Anyone raise your hand? Say, yeah. Cool. Anyone say, I am seen by God. Raise your hand. All right. I am an enemy of God. Raise your hand. Whoa, hold on, Michael. It's like... What's, are we in this, what happened here? Like, what just happened? 
How many of you guys ever heard the phrase that we were or we might be enemies of God? Anyone ever heard that before? How many of you guys ever heard the phrase lost people? Anyone? Yeah, that's a lot nicer. How many of you guys ever heard the way far from God? Right? That's, yeah, we like those words. Enemies of God? Mm. How many of you guys had an enemy in high school? Anyone? Maybe in your job? Like stinking Daniel. Not you, Daniel, but <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. It might be you. Yeah, we have enemies. And to hear that, you're like, we might be enemies with God. You're like, wait, 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 I thought, I thought God only had one enemy. I thought it was the devil. The Bible says that if we're controlled by our sinful nature, we are hostile to God. That word hostile in the Greek means at war, opposed, enemies with God. It's kind of a weird thing, right? It's kind of a weird thing for us to say that. You're like, Michael, I'm not an enemy with God. Yeah, I might gossip a little bit, right? I might lie on my taxes, right? I didn't kill anybody. Yet, right, I haven't done that. Those sins aren't that big of a deal. The Bible says if you're controlled by your sinful nature, you are hostile to God. Why am I hitting on this? Because it's, it's important that we hit this first, that we understand this first. Because so often in the midst of chaos, we long for peace, right? When, you're, when your world is a mess, when things are falling apart, what do you want? You want peace. When your marriage is on the rocks, you want peace. When you're wondering what's going on with your kids, you want peace. When your job is, is uncertain, you want peace. But the peace that we want is not available until we are at peace with God. The peace that we want in our marriage, the peace that we want in our family, and all it's not available until we are at first at peace with God. We might get a brief rest from the chaos. We might get a truce, but we are not getting peace. And here's the first point that we want to hit on, and it's good news. It is the good news is that Christ brings us peace with God. Christ brings us peace with God. You're saying, Michael, cool, I don't need peace with God. I need peace because both of my, my wife and myself, we've already gone to the lawyers and we have the documents written up. Michael, I don't need peace with God right now. I need peace knowing that my kids are going to be okay. I haven't talked to them in a few weeks. Michael, I don't need peace with God. I need peace. They're laying off people at my job. I need peace about that. The kind of peace you're wanting is not going to happen until you are first at peace with God. It's not going to happen. The only way it can happen is because Christ brings us peace with God, right? That, that God has created, he's authored peace, Jesus purchased it, and the Holy Spirit delivers it to our lives. And we want the last part, but we forget about the middle part where Jesus purchased the peace. Every time I preach, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, for I, have decided that while, that what, sorry, for I have decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. If we are not pointing you to Christ, we are Christ followers, so it would make sense that we would point you to Christ. Who are you following? Not me, not Justin, you're following Christ. So we need to point you to Christ. The biblical definition of the church is the ecclesia, right? The, the Greek, the called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of our homes. Called out of, um, yeah, called out of our homes. That's why we're here. We're not having, like some of you guys are being lazy and watching church at home. Yeah, absolutely. But we're called out of, a life of darkness and into lights. Sorry, no, that just kind of came out of my, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, sorry. Ooh. Wear a mask, come on, it's great. Um, no, but we're the called out ones, called out of a life of darkness into a light of life, called out of our old life into a new life with Christ. And so if we aren't pointing you to Christ in everything we do, we're just giving you like this motivational pep talk with Jesus you know, thrown in there every now and then. We're not doing our jobs and we're wasting your time. 
And so we're gonna point back to Christ in everything that we do. And I'm gonna do what Paul says. I'm gonna forget everything. Done, not a whole lot up there to remember anyway. But I'm gonna forget everything except Jesus and him crucified. Why? Because that sacrifice changed everything. That sacrifice changed everything, right? You're, you're like, you're right, peace, peace in the midst of chaos. I feel like that, who is it, Jim Mora, the Colts? Playoffs, right? That's why I feel like peace in the midst of chaos, right? You want that. Why are we talking about that when we first haven't worried about our eternity? Why are we worried about what's temporary when there's a much bigger problem at play here that we haven't even focused on? And so before we can start to talk about how peace in the midst of chaos in our daily life plays out and what that looks like, we've got to get the eternal in order first and foremost because we, can't, we keep focusing on the temporary when we skip over the eternal. And so let's, let's look at something here, go through a few verses real, here, real quick here, just talking about the good news is this. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, this is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Flip it over, over to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore since, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. Skip down to verse chapter 10. Verse chapter 10, what's wrong with me? Chapter 5, verse 10 in Romans. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, there's that word again, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. See, because of what Jesus did and the punishment that he took, that payment was due for somebody. That wages of sin is death thing was knocking on our door, but Christ paid that price. He's forgiven our sins. He has given us peace with God if we are his children. A lot of us raised our hand and said, I'm a child of God. This idea of like this universal fatherhood of God is a fairly new concept in the Christian world where, oh, we're all God's children. Nope. We're all God's creation. Yep. We were his enemies. I'm not enemies with my son. I hope I'm not enemies with my dad. Why? Because I'm his child and he's my child. We think we're all just God's children. No, 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 no. We were enemies with God. Then we had faith in what Christ did because of what he did and he adopted us into his family. Now we're his children. You gotta, we gotta stop putting the cart before the horse here because it throws everything out of whack. If we think we're just God's children, then we're good, I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Like it doesn't, like, we were enemies. Christ died, he paid the price on the cross. We have faith, yeah, we're saved. That's the, if there's good news, there's gotta be bad news, right? If there's good news, there's got, what was the bad news? The bad news, we were enemies with God, but we have peace with God because of what Christ did for us. That's the peace that is available because Christ paid the price, right? I said just a second ago that we need to get the eternal in order before we think about the temporary, right? And we've got this backwards. And a lot of times what happens is when we go through trouble, we think, man, what am I going to do? What am I, what are, what am I, that puts us, that puts me, that puts we at the center. It's very similar to those eight steps. What can you do to achieve peace? You can practice meditation and read. We can get alone. You can let things go. And it puts us at the center, we need to say, hey, what has Christ done? What is, he's given me peace with God. We're more concerned about our finances than we are our future. We're more concerned about our, our health than we are the condition of our soul. We're, we're more concerned about the here and now than the eternal. Why? Because it hurts. It, it's real. It's what we're experiencing right now. I get it. 
It's no fun. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, he's given the outline of the armor of God. All right, you've got the helmet of salvation, you've got the breastplate of righteousness, you've got the sword of the spirit, you've got the shield of faith. And in verse 15, he says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. I didn't really understand this until I was studying for this message. How many of you guys have ever played like a game of pickup basketball or football or something like that? Unless you're, unless you're the guy that's like in his mid-30s and still thinks he's like a second-round draft pick for the NFL. He's like, not a first round. I know my limits. I'm probably late second, maybe early third, right? Unless you're that guy, you probably don't carry cleats around with you everywhere you go, right? And so if you go just play a game of pickup football, you might have the wrong shoes on. If you go play, you know, basketball, you may not have the high tops. You don't roll your ankle or whatever, you know. Uh, footwear is important, right? You're not going to play basketball in cleats. If you do, the owner of the gym will never let you come there again. If you play football in the wrong shoes, then if, it's, if the ground's kind of soft and you go to make a cut, you might slip, you know. And so footwear is important. And so Paul is lining this out. And he says, hey, the best thing that you can put on your feet when you are in the midst of spiritual battle is the peace that comes from knowing the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that we are at peace with God because of what Christ has done. So he's saying, you can stand strong in the midst of battle. Not stand strong, but still advance and take ground and say, hey, I have peace. Why? Because I know that I am at peace with God. Michael, knowing I'm at peace with God is, is, is great for the eternal, but what about now? Right, what about now? It hurts. Man, so many of us hold on to this life so tight. And we focus on the here and now so tight. We're like, ah, I, I don't know what, I just can't. I can't get over this hurdle that's in front of me. I know, yeah, I have peace with God, but I can't get over this hurdle. I, I don't know what to do. Am I just supposed to white knuckle it for the next 80 years and, and just hope everything gets better? And this is, this is where the, the follow-up comes. This is where the day-to-day stuff comes. Because you can't have the peace of God until you are at peace with God. And it's our second point, right? The peace with God brings the peace of God. The peace with God, this peace, brings this peace. A few weeks ago, I think it was, um, a friend of mine sent me a text. I'm in a group chat, um, which those are a blessing and a curse, but he sent, sent us a text um, late one night, and he said, uh, he said it's popping off in Russia, or pop, popping off in Ukraine. And I was like, what? And so I, I hopped online, and I don't remember what the article, but it said, Putin invades Ukraine. I was like, oh, man. Now, 20-year-old Michael started, when I'm laying in bed, my mind just goes a thousand different directions. And so, like, 20-year-old Michael is playing Red Dawn. I'm like, let those commies land in Broken Arrow. Like, <laughs> speak it into existence, right? I'm, let it happen, Lord. I'm, I'm like, picturing me playing Duck Hunt on my roof. Like, it's, which, that's a whole other message about, right? Like, you know. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That's a whole other So I was like, God, forgive me for that. That's not right. But quickly, I realized that I was laying in bed next to my wife and my son was asleep upstairs. And so my, my dreams of single-handedly taking on the Russian army like had quickly reeled, reeled those in. And I was like, man. And so I started thinking, I'm like, what if, what, if you, what if we get involved as a country? What if there's, you know, a cyber attack and they shut down some stuff? And all things being equal, it would be really rough. Um, but my son was diagnosed with epilepsy a year ago, something like that. And so he's on medication. 
and it's not really an option to take him off. You're like, you don't have faith. I'll kick you in the face is what I'll do, right? It's not an option to take him off those medicines right now. Um, we're going to use some wisdom here. And so I'm like, man, what if that medicine is hard to get a hold of? What are we going to do? And my mind just kind of keeps running up to this point. God has never really entered the picture, which probably says more about me than anything else. But uh, out of nowhere, kind of this thought that, hey, God isn't surprised by any of this came into my head. And I was like, all right. And that thought led to another thought that if God's not surprised, why? Because God is still in control. All right? And like this weird piece, just kind of didn't think about the rest of the night, went to sleep, woke up, felt great. You're like, Michael, that's a what if situation. You're right. It's what if, right? Those are easy to turn off. What if, what if, what if? Stop. Stop with the what ifs, right? That one's easy to deal with. What about the here and now? What about the actual what's going on on the ground? Well, about 10 days ago, um, my mom was watching my son, and I was having lunch with a good friend of mine, and she, she calls. And so whenever someone who's, who's babysitting calls, I'm like, I'm going to answer it just in case um, something's going on, right? Just with his diagnosis, I'm going to answer it just in, in case. And so I answer the phone, and immediately I could tell something's not right. My mom's very, very worried. She said, hey, something's not right. Like, his eyes have rolled back in his head. I don't think he's breathing. He's just completely limp. And I was like, ooh, you know? And, and I, she's very, very concerned. And so I feel that I stayed as calm as I could, right, and walked her through what to do, and I stayed on the phone, and um, she gave him some medication, and I started to hear him cry, and I was like, okay, he's breathing, he's good. And so I went home, and, and on my way home, it's, it's not really, the, my level of panic and concern never was like elevated. It was really weird. It's kind of unexplainable. And so I get home, and I think I go home more probably to relieve my mom. She's probably a little traumatized at this point. So I'm like, I'll take him. Like, you are relieved. I'll tag you in, or I'll tag you out, and you're good. Um, but I was never, it was weird. It was a piece that I had never really experienced before. And I've read this verse in Philippians countless times. Man, I have been in ministry in a pastoral role for, for about 12, 13 years. I have preached on this message. I have quoted this message to people that have been going through problems. And I have been a fake every step of the way doing it. Because I've never experienced what this verse is talking about until very recently. Excuse me. So let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Awesome, Paul. Good luck with that, right? Thanks for that one. <laughs> don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I've read this verse so many times I can't count, but it was not until very recently, I'm ashamed to say, that I've experienced this kind of peace. How many of you guys have heard that verse before? How many of you guys realize that that's a lot easier to read than it is to, to see active in your life? Yeah. Can I tell you it's not impossible? Let's look through this verse. Don't worry about anything and said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Why can we not worry about everything, anything? Because we can trust God. And I'll tell you first that you can't trust someone you don't know. And if you're reading this verse, but you don't know Christ, man, you're not going to experience that peace. It's going to be some pretty words. We can trust his wisdom. We can trust his authority. We can trust his power. We can trust that he's sovereign. What does sovereign mean? It means that, that he's the supreme authority over everything. Which, catch this. Some of you guys aren't like this. Which means that every difficulty you face, 
is within God's purpose. Every difficulty you face is within. If God is truly in charge, every difficulty you face is within God's purpose. Does that mean we like it? No. Does it mean we can trust him through it? Yeah. If he's in charge, then we can trust him. And we don't have to worry. Instead of worrying, what do we do? We pray. We seek God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your cares to God for he cares for you. Give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. We tell him what we need. We tell him what we need and then we thank him for what he's done. Prayer and gratitude should mark every prayer that we pray. Should mark every prayer that we pray. Even those prayers where it's, God, I need you. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Help me in these moments. But thank you that you're in control. Thank you that you're, you're, you're with me. Prayer and gratitude should mark every one of our prayers. And then what happens? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This is a callback, I feel, to John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, I am leaving you with a gift. This is Jesus talking. Who's leaving us with the gift? Jesus. What's that gift? It's peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This distinguishes it between what the world offers and what Christ offers. It's a gift the world doesn't give. It's a gift that you can't get searching for it on your own. It's a gift that's only available through Christ, right? Because of this, he is the one, not me, not you, he is the one providing, setting up, and maintaining the peace in our life. So we cannot worry. We can thank him for what he's done. Why? Because he's in charge. And so we say, it is you, it's not God and me. No, no, no. If it's God and anything, you don't trust God. It's God alone who sets up and maintains the peace. It's God alone that protects your heart and mind. Why? Because Galatians chapter 2, it's no longer me living, but Christ living in me. I'm not doing this on my own. It is Christ in me. It is he, he is the one that is providing the peace. Right? I'm wrapping up with this, with this story in Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 4. And just something I found kind of interesting. Take it, leave it, whatever you want to do. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 30, or 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. I didn't really catch that until like earlier, right? A lot of times we think it's just Jesus and his disciples. No, there's a bunch of other people following them that are experiencing the same storm. It's kind of interesting. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping on the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm and he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Excuse me. Um, Last Sunday, Pastor Justin read a, a parallel story, I think it was out of Matthew, about Jesus calming the storms. And I'm not going to go into that. I just want to point something out real quick in this story. In the story, there's three um, adjectives, adverbs. I don't know. I, was, I remember I whole forget everything I know and just follow Christ. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Sorry, Miss sorry, Purser, senior year English. I don't remember basic grammar. Uh, but there's three words that describe the storm, the calm, and the fear. And so let's hear, I'm going to just point out. There was a fierce storm. What kind of storm was it? fierce. There was a great calm. What kind of calm? Great. 
and the disciples were absolutely terrified. How terrified? Absolutely. Not just a little bit, but absolutely terrified. Right. And what's weird is it's not real clear in this translation, but in the Greek, the word for fierce, great, and absolutely is the same word. It's megas, where we get our word mega. I grew up in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. If we wanted an awesome Friday night, we would go to mega movies and rent our movies and Super Nintendo games. That was, it was the biggest movie. It was mega movies. They had the biggest selection. So if you want a Cliff Notes version of this passage, there was a mega storm. Jesus brought a mega calm and the disciples were mega afraid. And I want you to understand something real quick. I know, right? Like that's the Michael Living translation. Like, I don't know. A lot, lot was missing there. But each and every one of those storms, each of the storm was great, the calm was great, and the fear was great. And as I, in Isaiah 9, Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, which means that he has given authority to grant peace. And as his children... So many times what we want and what we pray for is for him to bring a peace to our storms, right? God, I need you to fix this. I need you to bring a peace about this. That doesn't always happen. People still get sick. Marriages still crumble. Jobs still get lost. Finances still struggle. God, we want Jesus, what we want is we want Jesus to be a helicopter and take us out of those storms. And Hebrews, I think chapter 10 tells us that he is an anchor for our soul. And the reason I read that, that passage in, in Mark is I want to tell you that Jesus has the power and authority to bring a great or a mega, if you will, calm to your soul. He has the power and authority to bring it to your life situation, but he always doesn't. We got to be okay with that. Why? Because we know that every difficulty we face is according to his purpose and his plan. And we can trust him. The disciples didn't like the storm. They weren't like, yay, I love it when these waves hit. They, no, they weren't fans of it. And we don't have to be fans of what we face, but we've got to be faithful and put our trust in the one that has the ability to bring that great calm because of his great power. And what do we do? We do what the disciples did. We stand in complete awe and fear and reverence of who he is and say, Who is this guy that's able to do this? Oh, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Son of God. He's the one that has brought us peace with God so that we can have the peace of God. Apprehending peace in the midst of chaos, it's not eight steps. It's not eight steps with some Bible verses. No, it's finding peace with God. And then living in Christ is what Philippians chapter four says, is that as you, it ends with that caveat, say, as you continue to live in Christ. Man, are we living in Christ? Do we know him? Can we trust him? Because if you don't know him, you can't trust him. If you can't trust him, you're never gonna have peace. Man, let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. God, and we know that with this many people in this room, there's probably a lot of people that are, that are dealing with problems and that are, facing anxieties and worries. And God, I pray, God, I could pray that you would bring an end to their situation. And I do, God, I pray that their situation would be resolved. But ultimately what I pray is that you would give them a lasting peace. 
God, a peace that guards their hearts and their minds as they continue to follow you. With no one looking around, just simply raise your hand. Is there anyone here that's kind of, you're going through it right now, right? Peace is one of those things that has seemed kind of elusive. Just raise your hand, anyone in here? Yeah. Father, we pray for these that have raised their hand. God, that their trust would be in you and you alone. That they take themselves out of the center of the problem and say, I'm putting the Prince of Peace where he belongs, right in the center of my storm. That there would be a quiet in their soul. That there would be an unexplainable, a supernatural peace that invades their life. I said earlier that, you know, we can't have that peace unless we're at peace with God. And there's some of us in here that might think we're children of God, but the truth is we're still letting that sinful nature control us. And the Bible tells us that, hey, we're not God's children, we're God's enemies. John 6, says, no one can come to the Father, or no one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. It's Jesus talking. Maybe God's been working on you and the Holy Spirit's been convicting you and pulling you back and saying, hey, 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 wake up. And today you say, hey, I, I'm expressing faith in what Christ has done. I... I, I I, I want to follow him. Simply by raising your hand, is there anyone here that says, hey, I'm, God's been dealing with me and I know, I, I know my heart is not where I need to be. I, I know my life is not where I need to be. I want to be at peace with God. Just by raising your hand, is there anyone here say, that's me? I'm not going to count to three. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Yeah, I see you over there. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. And for those of you that raised your hand, we had a couple raise their hand, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something a little different. Whatever. I don't know. Feeling, feeling this right now, so just, just bear with me. For those of you that raised your hand, man, you were bold enough to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. This is not my relationship with God for you. This is not the person sitting next to you. Maybe your mom was like, giving you the side eye knowing like this kid needs to be saved right right I don't know it's not your mom's relationship for you this is what God is doing in and through you right now and so I'm not going to lead you in a prayer like I said that's not this is just whatever I'm what I want you to do is I want you to come down here and talk to one of these people down here not out of shame not out of fear but out of celebration that God has called you back that God has called you his child. Let them celebrate with you. Let them pray with you. Go out to the connection on your way out. Let those people celebrate, pray with you. Let them give you a Bible, tell you what's next. Foundation Church, we had several people raise their hand. Can we first celebrate as a family those decisions, those people that made you? Those of you that raised your hands, Everyone in this room is excited. So there's no shame to come down forward. So I'm gonna pray. At the end of service, come meet one of these people. Let them pray with you. Let them celebrate with you. Let them tell you, hey, what's next? This is your starting point. This isn't the end. This is your starting point. Let's pray as we we dismiss. God, we thank you for today. God, thank you that we know we can have peace with you because of what Christ has done. And because of that, we can have your peace protect and guard our hearts and minds. God, I pray that we go from here. We would go out in peace that we would be peacemakers, that we would be people who, who, who live according to you and give glory to you and people see that and they ask questions, what's going on? God, let us be 
found people that are finding people, introducing them to you, God, and changing their lives. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.